Welcome to a bonus episode of Full Metal RPG. I'm your host, Brendan Carrion, and today I am joined by a Full Metal RPG fan favorite, Brazilian game design superstar, Diogo Nogueira. Diogo, what up? Welcome. Hey, man. Hey, Brennan. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for having me here again. Oh, dude, thank you for coming on. It is really seriously our pleasure to have you. Uh, it's it's very rare company that we're allowed to keep here, and it is a serious privilege to have you on always. I'm very hon- honored to be here, too, and to be part of this awesome podcast that I listen to, and it's really fun. It, it was awesome to see another fan here in Brazil with the Fumetto RPG t-shirt on our convention. <laughs> yeah, uh, Gustavo Sorg managed yeah. to make it out, didn't he? Yeah. And he's currently working on a uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess zine that's being published down there in um, Brazil. And there's one issue yes. in Portuguese, right? Yes, I have it here. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Good. Black Dog, right? Yes. That's so Cachorro cool because, Preto, as um, we say here. Say again? Cachorro Preto. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, he's uh, working. He's busy working on issue two. And, uh, spoiler, he, he's actually been, uh, been giving me some calls about it. And he and I have been kind of, like, just talking over some of his ideas i've just been a sounding board for him while he he talks about his ideas and uh and i i i i I like help him kind of talk through them for issue two so um i i kind of have a little bit of a sneak idea of what's going to be an issue two and let me tell you dude i'm very excited because it's uh it's going to be good i'm stoked for it awesome that's the issue issue one is very nice and i mean the content the illustrations the layout of the zine it's it's really it's really strange to have a lamentation of the Flame Princess in in Portuguese without having the proper game in Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem, huh? Somebody's gonna have to do something about that. Some people are trying, but uh, James Raji isn't responding to our emails. <laughs> oh, that's too bad to hear. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. Huh, all right. Well, yeah, that's too bad. I, I will try to talk to him at Gen Con, but I don't know. In my experience, he's very approachable. Um, I hit him up at Gen Con uh, last summer. But anyway, no one wants to hear about me, man. No one <laughs> gives a shit what I'm up to. Um, how about you? What are you up to? What is new with Diogo, man? Tell us Tell us about all the new stuff. Well, uh, I have an Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign for my latest game the solar blades and cosmic spells which is basically a science fantasy version of sharp swords and sinister spells it's a game about sword and sorcery adventures amongst the stars so you have like spaceships and laser weapons and space stations but you also have barbarians uh, sorcerers wizards cyborgs mutants and all that jazz, like the, this post-apocalyptic universe, uh, like the glorious days of of the galaxies, yeah, civilizations are in the past. 
uh, a great uh, terrible war has ravaged the universe and now they have like these sectors decadent sectors with uh, sorcerers tyrants that controls the universe and play characters are basically adventurers trying to survive this green dark uh, universe and make their fortune there too if they can <laughs> sounds great I am I'm in I am in um, so it seems kind of like this desire to meld uh, fantasy role playing with um, space is kind of like out there right now it's like kind of in the collective consciousness um how would you compare what you're doing with, um, say, for something like uh, Starfinder right now? Well, <clears throat> Starfinder seems like more like high fantasy, epic uh, adventures in among the stars, right? Uh, as my game is more like sword and sorcery, really. Uh, the characters do doesn't start. They don't start with laser weapons. They they have pistols and shotguns with bullets. And technology is rare and is controlled by these sorcerers tyrants. Uh, people are oppressed. Like it's it's really like this city states of sword and sorcery setting. They have this overlord that controls what's going on, and the guard is corrupt. They have to survive this post-apocalyptic era, era, and it's a more uh, dark and unforgiving universe, and, and, and not so much colorful, and every, everything is magical and technological. Uh, things are hard to get by. Like you, you, you can get a ship, but people start uh, the the game started with the players having our spaceship, but. For you to keep flying, you have to do jobs and and secure some some fuel to keep flying. Like inspired by Firefly, the the series, you just have Ooh, to I keep like going, and it's it's not so easy every time. Okay, so that's that kind of helps bring it into focus for me. I really like that a lot. So you you do you've you've kind of worked your way around the traveler conundrum, huh? Where there's you do start with a ship. You're not just yeah. bound to the ground. Okay, and you have um you 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 can create a story how you got a ship, but we have a table to determine how how you got a ship. And every 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 ship has a, like a complication. Maybe you stole it for someone. Maybe you found it, maybe it's cursed, maybe it has a secret defect you don't know yet about. And there's always something that the referee can use to complicate the, their lives and start something, an adventure or something. I like that a lot. Does the ship belong to a particular character or does it take a particular class in order to pilot it? Or is the ship kind of owned by the party? Yeah, well, we don't determine. We don't have like a specific uh, archetype to be the pilot. Uh, we have like a, a character class that will be better as a gunner. A character class uh, archetype that can be better as like a mechanic that can customize their ship. But uh, every, every archetype can be a good pilot because mainly. It uses more intellect or agility 
So maybe the 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 nimble or the the smart can be a the better classes for being a pilot. But is there is there isn't anything that uh, prevents any other archetype for being a pilot. But we don't specify who who the ship is. It's probably the ship's the crew who owns the ship. No? The party owns the ship, and maybe don't they don't even own it yet. Maybe they owe some money to a crime lord. Maybe they work for an organization. We try to uh, keep the game open. They they may be adventurers. They may be working for the galactic overlords, the sorcerers, tyrants of the galaxy. They can be pirates. They can be bounty hunters. It's it's open ended like that. Oh, that sounds so good. That sounds great. So, I mean, really, this is just all the best stuff from uh, fantasy gaming. But then there's this added layer of of stuff that you get to do with the ship and with um, the technology. Yeah, I, I try. I try to get some of my favorite uh, dark fantasy and sword and sorcery elements from the stories I like, and try to meld with some of my favorite science fantasy stories. Uh, I I could describe it as a as a mashup of Star Wars, Dark Sun, Firefly, Doom, and Conan in general, or Ankmar, things like that. Oh, man, well, <laughs> that sounds so epic. It's kind of, I mean, it kind of sounds, uh, like, remember, have you seen um, uh, uh, Pitch Black and then subsequent the subsequent sequel, uh, Chronicles of Riddick? Uh, unfortunately not. I have seen uh, a, a comic book that when I, I I read it after like almost being done with the Sword Blades, but I read this comic that I, I saw it and I said, oh my god, this is exactly what I want my Sword Blades and Cosmic Spells to be. Which one was it? Space Raiders. Space no, Raiders. Space Riders. Riders. Yes. it's I, I okay. think it's an independent comic. And the artwork is it's really really amazing. It's like this it has this underground um, seventh on acid kind of feel to it. And if if I if I ever have enough money, I I will probably try to commission the illustrator to do a a special cover for it <laughs> for the game and release it cool. only on the anniversary. Like each year for one week, I will be selling this special cover and then taking it back <laughs> oh that is a great idea i hope that that comes true um it, you're it, the cover right now you've got two covers on the yeah. go and they're both great they are both super great the one that comes on just like the basic soft cover or whatever is so cool i love the floating brain with the sunglasses that that is so rad it's like so 90s yeah i just want i i saw that and i was just like i want that guy in my game it's awesome i i i was fortunate enough to to find these two illustrators two artists here in brazil uh bruno prosaico and and dan ramos and they both did did awesome work like i gave them a lot of liberty, like, I, this game is like this, it's like uh, heavy metal comics with sword and sorcery, 
and it's post-apocalyptic. Uh, the the there is this sorcerer kings like this cyber wizards of evil, and <clears throat> there is this warriors that have solar blades and uh, swords made of solar uh, solar energy and stuff. Robot, robots, insects, mutants, and they they just flew with it. And with Dan Hamus, I, I kind of asked him if he could make something inspired by the original Star Wars uh, poster and Flash Gordon, and he he did, he did some really incredible artwork for it. And that's gonna be on the limited edition cover, right? Yes. The one that I won't, we won't be selling through the Indiegogo campaign. Okay, yeah, I saw that cover too, and it's very slick. I mean, it's like, it's like game book at the store that you just see on the new release shelf, slick, huh? Yeah, I, I it's, I kind of felt bad about only selling it on the Indiegogo campaign, but a promise is a promise, and. If we need to, we can make another cover someday. I don't know, but both well, covers. I mean, you gotta have some incentives, right? You yeah, those incentives. Yeah, both covers are great, and I think they both uh, captures uh, the essence of the game. Maybe Bruno Prozaiko's art is more like upbeat, more like uh, adventure and giving some hope. It's more colorful, and Dan Hamos' artwork is more like this dark and desperate fight for survival. But I, they both, and people, some people said, I really like Bruno's one, I didn't like uh, Don Hamo's one, and I think that's great. We have one for each taste, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, what can people expect in this book, right? Now, you and I have talked about it a little bit, and uh, we talked about maybe four or five months ago, and at that point, you were still writing this book. And uh, obviously, a lot has gone on since then. But you had said then that the page count was going to be really high compared to Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells. How did that turn out? Yeah. Uh, only counting the draft text pages, I have about 300, 350, depending on the formatting. Uh, That's with no art. Yeah, that's with no art. But with, with its uh, size size 11 or 12 font, so maybe uh, there has a lot of tables, but maybe uh, with the layout, we we can reduce it this a little. But I want to, to really fill it with awesome illustrations and really good artwork. So I... I hope it will be around 450 pages, but it has a lot of content. Like, first of all, uh, the rules from the Sharp Sword and Sensor Spells and uh, Sharp Sword Sensor Spells addendum will be merged. So I have a lot of things that I I put on the addendum. I'm going to put it on Sword Blades too. So. Since Sharp Swords, since the spell has like about 48 pages and the addendum has like around 80, that's already uh, 120. And Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells doesn't give any example of the rules. It's like the, the rule is, is this and you will interpret it how you want it because we assume people 
already know what I, how to interpret rules and have played a lot of games. But in Storm Blades, I try to provide examples. Like I don't, I don't go into too much detail of them because in the, in the end of the book, there is an extended example of play that try to portray how the game's played and I think that helps a lot because some people had some doubts uh, how the game was played on structured instances of spells so that's already increased the page count a little and now we have rooms for com uh, vehicles and combat with vehicles like spaceships and tanks and stuff like that how, how are you approaching that like um does that add a lot of complexity to the rule set, or is it still going to be kind of a like a light-ish rule set? Yeah, it's it basically doesn't alter too much of the of the the rules. Like you you do the the attribute tests as, as it's like a normal combat, but depending on the the vehicle, the spaceship, it can limit your beings. Like a, a really gigantic space space uh, battleship. Uh, won't have a lot of maneuverability. So even if you have a, like a really high agility that you could make great dogfights with a starfighter, since you have like a dreadnought, like a gigantic ship, this will limit your effective agility score to pilot the the spaceship. So you still be hit a lot. Of course, your ship will have like a higher damage reduction because it's like really heavy armored. But basically, the 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 starships will put some limits, like uh, some ships won't be so good for combat, so even though you like ha uh, really know how to shoot things with a blaster, the target systems of this spaceship is not made for combat, so it will reduce your scores, like it will put uh, a limit to your ability scores. And oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. So we try to simplify, we don't create all this elaborate game inside a game, we just provide, well, you, we use the same rules for combat, it's like a, it's abstract combat, we still have like the close, the short, the medium, the long range and the distant range, and you basically do ability checks limited by uh, your ship's targeting system, your ship's maneuverability, and there's only rules for scaling, like there is the personal scale, there is the vehicle scales, like, like uh, planetary vehicles, there is the spaceship scales, like, the, like from uh, cruisers and transport to really big ships, and there is the space stage scale. So, if you shoot some, if a character shoots a spaceship with a blaster, it won't be so effective as like a, a dreadnought shooting its heavy cannons on maybe someone on the ground. Yeah, but that's it. So, how how is magic going to interact with these rules, or is it? Well, uh, it's it's the same thing, the same magic system as sharpswood and sensor spells, and you can do damage to uh, spaceships and things like that. But it's on personal scale. But since magic, you can up your power level. Like uh, so, 
Okay, even though the magic is on personal scale, I can cast the spell as power level 10, doing 10 d6 of damage, and this will probably go through the armor, the spaceship hull and damage reduction. Well, that's gonna be really cool to see. That's gonna be that's gonna be really cool. Our, uh, you can uh, there is another thing in the book that I, I didn't mention. Sorry. Uh, no, no, go ahead. Even though uh, there is these rules and everything. And the book is even bigger because we now have like this uh, setting toolkit. We describe like the principles of the setting, like how technology works, how there is no Wi-Fi accessible because the Galactic Overlords control the, the universe and the technology. And they know if this, this kind of technology like Wi-Fi, internet and other kind of things that give liberty and freedom to people give them access to knowledge and information and communication, they will be giving power to them. So that's why this technology we know today won't be available in, in the game because they don't want to. They control this stuff. So they won't let mortals and their, their, the people they control to have access to this kind of stuff. This stuff can only exist in the game, but they will be restricted to to the Galactic Overlords and their their servants. So it really is going to be a very grim, dark setting where it's like even though you that you're surrounded by all this technology that is you know you've got like faster than light speed travel and uh, the the potential to create like um, to end famines and end diseases and stuff like that. You're still in a dark age where a select group of people have decided to, to, to make these things prevalent simply so that they can hoard power for themselves. Yes. And well, the characters can uh, journey to ancient planets and ruins of past civilizations to try to find this more advanced technology that were developed in the past. But, uh, the universe in the current age of the game, it's like a decadent place. This Galactic Overlords, they hoard this, this technology from the past and some of them try to produce new things, but the majority of the universe doesn't, isn't really producing new technology and advancements. So are these all kind of like sort of like the ethos of the setting? Or is there going to be like a hard setting that, that comes with the book that's, that has like named NPCs and stuff? That's the ethos of the setting. There is some organizations and some names, but we provide like a lot of generators like to, to generate sectors and planets and events that's going on in the universe. Uh, there is not... Even the history of the, of the setting is, isn't set on stones. Like each age of the, the history of the sector... There's a table with 20 humors that the referee will decide which one's true, which one's false. Like, oh, that's for great. Each I love that. For each organization, too, like, the Galactic Overlords, there are, like, 20 rumors about them, and you can decide what's true, what's not, some job opportunities to find out what's real and what's not, and things like that. There, it's, it has a idos and this core elements of the setting of the game but pretty much everything else there's tables for you to generate and create your own universe i wanted to make the the game unique on each table so every person that will play the game will have their own universe oh dude that's oh my god that's gonna be great that's why um, the book's so big like there's tons of tables to generate and, stuff and <laughs> 
There's going to be soft cover and hard cover, right? Yes. Okay. I, right. I plan to, to make a referee, uh, reference booklet too to take on the rules because I, I know some people really like Sharp Sword and Sensor Spells because it's so concise and small. So I want to make like a reference booklet to put just the rules without any examples, without the generators and stuff. So they can print it and use it on the table just to consult something, some uh, corruption, arcane corruption results or things like that to make it easy to run. Are you think those um those large vehicle rules are going to be uh reverse compatible into sharp swords and sinister spells? Would you be able to use those like rules for ships to do like naval combat or like giant magical juggernauts on land or something? For sure, it's uh the only main difference from uh blades and and sharp swords that uh Summer Blades tries to uh, use only D20s and D6s, but the logic on how we convert from like a D8 to a D6 plus one, it's it's pretty logical. Like instead of going from D6 to D8, I go to D6 to D6 plus one, and from D6 mm -hmm. to D4, D6 minus one. It's it's pretty logical. You can use the the rooms from one to another pretty easily. Excellent, excellent. Eventually, so we will make a like a revised sharp swords and sense of spells, like a hardback with the addendum and the setting toolkit that we will release for sharp swords too. But that's in the future for now. Um, what's the playtesting been like for uh, Solar Blades? Well, it's it's been really fun and really really great. I've I've played like dozens of, of games already and it's been fun people are are discovering about the the spaceship rules and sorcery <laughs> and, i'm sorry my my son just isn't here it's all good man it's all good <laughs> Dá oi. Vai lá, dá oi para as pessoas. Uh, oi, papai. He's saying hi. <laughs> oi, filho. Hi. Oi. <laughs> He's going now. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's been... Oh, good, man. It's been fun. Uh, some people are playing and starting to play the game uh, outside. Like, they're, they're getting the draft test that is available on the Indiegogo page making characters and testing the system. I've, I've been hearing good things about it. And like the small, modif the small modifications I, I made to the rule, how the text is, is explaining the, the rules while telling, like, like setting the mood of the setting. Because all the examples like tell the story of a certain characters, certain group of characters that is in the example of play, like the like iconic characters of the game. Yeah. And it's 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 been nice. Excellent. Um So is it kind of I I mean I think I know the answer to this, but we'll see. Uh is it more of an OSR game or is it more of a narrative game? Well, I I'm really passionate about the OSR and that's a, my favorite kind of game. Yeah. yeah, and the the game works really well 
according to the, those principles on the quick primer for old school games by Matt Finch. I don't know if you know about this. I don't. Why don't you let us know? Fill us in. Uh, Matt Finch, uh, right in the beginning of this whole, let's look back at the old editions of the most famous RPG ever. He created a document called Quick, Quick Primer for Old School Gaming. That sets like the principles of the old school game, like the how to challenge the players and other characters, how the game is not balanced, uh, how it's like the more theater of the mindset of minis. Talks about the stuff about the gaming, like how you ro you roll to see what happens. Uh, it's not about telling a story; it's about challenges and, and suppressing these challenges. And the game really respects all, all the, those principles, but it, it does have some narrative elements, like the, the character concepts. Like, you choose an archetype, like, we have four archetypes in the game. The tough, like, it's like the strong, the resistance guy. Uh, the nimble is more like the agile and the one good with sharpshooting things. Have the smart that's more like the sci the scientist, the mechanic, the, the the guy who knows how to do with technology, and you have the gifted that is the guy who can either be a sorcerer or a mentalist. But you also have the character concept that you can customize the the character any way you want. Like you can be the tough one and say you are an uh, ex gladiator, uh, or even customize even more, saying like you are a honor bound ex gladiator from the outer regions so you can you can create any any kind of of uh specify your card any way you want like so, so if you're a, a ex gladiator you know how to entertain a crowd in combat you can do some crazy maneuvers but since you're honor bound sometimes if you if you're following or following your honor code you you can have advantage but if you're breaking something like if you're doing something that's not honorable the referee can offer you like a, a luck, luck points to for you to do something for you to keep your honor and do something that will uh, hinder your character if you in and you even in, you even have some uh world building liberties because you can say you're a knight from the order of the Red Spear and your referee has, hasn't said anything about this order. So you're creating something in the game and you can work out with the referee what this order is, what does it want, what are its goals and things like that. Yeah, that sounds like it's got some serious kind of story game uh, uh, systems in it, you know I mean? The first one that you described sounded kind of like the the hard choice from uh, the Apocalypse World type games, and then just that agency to add things into the game, which which to be totally honest, I mean I think that that uh, mechanic is kind of just you're seeing it a lot now. It's kind of spreading like wildfire, and I think that that's that's a good thing, you know. Yeah. That's, uh, a strong mechanic that should should be in these games, you know? Yeah, and there was never anything that said it couldn't be there. Like, probably even in the old games, 
characters were part of the game and they created stuff, they affected the world and even even the Greyhawk setting from from Gygax, there was a lot of things in the game that were created from uh, by the players, but yeah. having it in the rooms uh, uh, seems like it, uh, you make it clear that everybody can everybody is part of the creation. Like you don't have to. There is no doubt that the players have a part of this. So no game master will misinterpret and think it's all about himself or the story. This great story he's trying to tell to their players. <laughs> we know there's some some people that think like that. So it's it's good to have uh, this kind of things built in the game. There's other narrative stuff, story gameish stuff in the game, like the complications that you can active to to gain a little boost on your character, but allowing your game or uh, the referee to complicate your lives, things like that. But in the end, it's 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 really it's not a game that has too much rules and character customization. So the players have to be creative and use their own skill to get things done instead of relying on on ready-made solutions for 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 their characters. So that's that's really an old school thing for me. And the random counters thing, the reaction tables. So. There isn't really this focus on telling a specific story. It's more about challenge and trying to survive something. That's I think it's really old school. And because it's science fantasy, and because it has this OSR um, sort of ethos to it, you'll be able to just use it with all the OSR stuff you have sitting around. Right? Oh yeah. Like I mean, all you got to do is basically. I mean, like for instance, uh, Regi's random monster generator. Oh yeah. Work just fine, right? For sure. And I don't know if you know about this. There is a setting, I think, from Hydra Collective uh, called Strange Stars. Mm, no, I don't know it. Uh, yeah, they, they, they released it on, like a setting book, like a, a system neutral setting book. And they released a, a one rule supplement for OSR games and one even for Fate. And there is a press here in Brazil that's going to release it in Portuguese. And they already uh, contacted me about releasing it for Sharp Swords and Solar Blades. So you, oh, that's you can use the, the system to, to play other sets and all other science fantasy settings. And there is even people using some of the Solar Blades uh, science fantasy things to do like a Star Crawl Classics kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's so great, dude. That is so cool. I mean, because you're right. There's like a lot of these kind of, uh, there's a lot of post-apocalypse kind of gamma world stuff, but you've gone in this different direction where you're going into space rather than to the post-apocalypse, huh? Yeah. And and people are, st uh, as you said, there is like a, this wave that began like the, uh, in the mid-2017 and it's going through now. There's been, even here in Brazil, we had like three or four games of of uh, science fiction or science fantasy being released here in Brazil. Uh, yeah. No one has this this, uh, this makeup as mine, like this post-apocalypse sword and sorcerer in space, but we have like uh, space pirates and hard sci-fi and things like that. But yeah. 
science science fiction is is I think it's getting some attention now, especially with Starfinder, I guess. I think that uh, um, Solar Blades is going to be so rad to run with Carcosa in a certain way. Yeah. Um, like I could totally see just you know you put together some uh, like a crew and then they and then your and then your ship lands on. They could crash on Carcosa. Like, yeah, of course. Exactly. And and Solar Blades, there is really some places that have portals to other dimensions, like the, in the core of the galaxy. And if you go beyond this this prismatic uh, nebula that surrounds the universe. Uh, there's a lot of rumors to where this leads to, but it can basically lead to anywhere you want it. You can, I even suggested in the book to just take the players anywhere you want it. There's these great settings in the OSR, so take one and put them there. Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, you'll have tables for all the um, the weapons, the, the ranged weapons, right? For the the firearms and then the the energy weapons yeah so i mean basically all you have to do to uplift any um uh osr fantasy setting is distribute the range weapons right yeah Yeah, easy love it so um what have you been playing man have you been have you have you had a chance to be playing anything or are you just uh just writing and uh fundraising yeah no i've i've been playing solar blades uh sharp swords I've been playing Dungeon Crawl Classics because uh, I'm I'm just addicted to DCC, as you know. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, and there they just re- uh, some of the DCC fans released a a zine for like the cyberpunk version of Dungeon Crawl Classics. What? Yes. Did they make it themselves? They hacked it themselves? Yeah, they're they're releasing a zine and it's totally free because it, well. The author uses copyrighted image, so it has to be free. Like it's a fun product, yeah. but it's it's great. It's amazing. It's called Cyber Sprawl Classics. Oh, that is hilarious! And it's perfect to use with the the augmented reality booklet. Have you seen this one? No. Do you know Vornheim, right? Vornheim, oh, yeah, the city course. kid. Yeah. There is this guy that made like a city kit for Cyberpunk. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I have that downloaded. It's awesome. Is that, is that the is that the augmented reality? Yeah, is that what that's called. You okay, can print okay, it. Okay, on, yeah, I have that. They have it on Lulu, so you can print it really cheap and with uh, free shipping coupon. It's great. So I have the augmented reality and Cyber Sprawl Classic. So I gotta play some Cyber Sprawl Classics now. Yeah, dude, that sounds amazing. Is the cy- the Cyber Sprawl Classics? Is that um? Is that uh Portuguese? It's all Portuguese. No, no, no. It's in English. It's in English. Is yes. that on a drive-through or? No, it's on Google Plus. I can I can hook you up with the link. You can put on the put on the show notes if you want. Yes, please, please do. Yeah, and they have a community on Google Plus too. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, I gotta check that out. That sounds that sounds amazing. I mean, um, we're always looking for another good cyberpunk game to throw in the collection up here, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't have many. Uh, I think the only one I have here is Shadowrun Anarchy, but it's like like a fantasy, urban fantasy cyberpunk, right? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's on some level, it's like the most successful cyberpunk role-playing game ever. But then again, it's got this kind of D and D shit, like yeah. kind of shoehorned <laughs> into it, you know. And it's like, I mean, especially like Anarchy, the book 
the the rule set has some problems um oh yeah they've just they've just found no way to really translate the experience of playing Shadowrun into a system that people really enjoy unless you just go back and buy the old like first second edition books you know the original ones mm. um I would not even screw around with the current one. It's just, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> and I could anarchy. It's way more light than I remember uh, Shadowrun to be. So I kind of oh, like yeah. it. And I was really there is there is this guy. Uh, I don't know if you know him, James James Pond from the OSR. He's doing like a retro clone of of. Uh, Shadowrun first and first and second edition, I think. Uh no, I'm not familiar with with his work. I know that there's that guy who's doing the uh the uh what is it? The he, do you know Dungeon the World clone? No, he uh James Spawn is the author of uh White Star uh oh, okay. The Hero's Journey. He worked on the Devil Ring, the Star Wars for Fantasy Flight games. He really does some some really great stuff, and he he wrote the introduction for Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells too. Oh wow! Excellent, yeah, man. that is great. I really I really like the, his stuff, and he's really productive. Like uh, he's a real inspiration for me. Like I see him doing all this crazy stuff all the time, putting always more stuff, more things out, and it's it's really incredible. And his 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 work on a cyberpunk uh, game to bring back the first editions, I think, of of Shadowrun, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that's definitely something to look forward to. I mean, those books you can get them on eBay or whatever. They're like not hard to get. They're not super expensive either. Everybody is out there chasing the new ones, but it's still pain to have to go on there and you know figure out what it is that you're looking for and try and uh, try and rustle them up. I, I like what some of these guys are doing when they're trying to sort of rewrite more polished versions of old rule sets. You know? Yeah. Well, I I think it would be great. Like he he has re some really good games. I like really like White Star and the Hero's Journey. He's working on a White Star White Box version of a Norse Nordic uh, myths myths games like Vikings and things like that. So I think this will be good too. <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh it's been a crazy year for you, huh? Yeah, it's it's been. I was really surprised. It's been a really good year. Like I'm, I did some artwork for Astonishing Swordman Sorcerer of Hyperborea, the two adventures that it's was just kickstarted, and I was really honored to be part of that. I really liked the game, and I got a special limited edition of the core book uh, as present from the author. He paid me for illustration awesome. and, and even gave me a, a special edition book. So I was really really touched by that <laughs> yeah no doubt man no doubt that is great so what, what's next then dude what's the next thing well i'm, I'm i already started writing the setting toolkit for sharp sword and sensor spells and like in the same vibe as the setting for summer blades there's this ethos of the setting there's this this cute cultures of men like i would describe but like each culture will have like a table. What what's going on with your people? 
this this game session like maybe there's been a war between clans maybe the king w uh, was killed and there's been a revolution maybe like uh, a sage has made a announcement there's something big is going on and the cities will have to make each one will have the table of events what's going on there's been a a revolt against the overlords or things like that and I'll try to do this this dynamic settings I I was really inspired by Hubris from DCC or Young Swing I really like this this kind of books that setting books that you actually use on the table and not to just read and, and memorize all these names and place and put it on the shelf I want books that you can use on the table so okay so you don't want to go to the mysterious towers that I have just put it there so you can score. You're going to go to this dark shadowed forest. Okay, let's see what's there. <laughs> and you roll the table and something's always going on everywhere, I guess. I really like yes. that. Yes, I agree. I agree 100%. I love it. Those things are always so useful, no matter what you're doing. You know, yes. always high utility, you know? And even if you don't don't use the whole book, you say, oh, I really like this this force he created with these tables, like this force that the make shadows become alive. Well, I'll just take this and use it on, on my setting or whatever. You can always steal parts of the, the, the books you, you want and use it on your own. Exactly, exactly. So um, why don't you just take a second and just hit the um, hit the peeps with what's going on on the Indiegogo and just you know if you want to summarize anything about the Indiegogo, take a second and let everybody know. Well, uh, the Indiegogo campaign for Summer Blades and, and Cosmic Spell is already funded. Our initial goal was for two thousand dollars. We hit it in less than twelve hours. That basically paid like a, a set amount for editor proofreader and allowed us to pay for stock cards basically and I, I would i would be co i am covering the cost for the cover image and the the layout design but uh, each each additional uh stretch goal allows me to pay a better fare for our editor and proofreader so like on three thousand dollars i will pay him uh uh, $200 more and allows me to hire more artists to actually commission artwork instead of just using stock art. I would be using stock art and making some my own artwork, but I want to hire uh, artists to do cool, cool stuff for the game. I mean, there is some great uh, stock art available, but having an a exclusive image and made specially for the game is always, is always better in my opinion. And, no doubt, and we we are now at at forty four hundred dollars, and so I'll be paying even better for my editor and proofreader. I only need to get more images, but if we get to five thousand dollars, I can commission uh, five pages of comics to use as introduction for the book, just like Werewolf the Apocalypse. I really liked those oh. comics. <laughs> So I want something. Yeah, that was really cool, huh? I want similar something similar for Summer Blades, and if we if we reach uh, six thousand and a half thousand dollars, six and a half thousand dollars, 
I will be able to make this reference booklet and every backer will, will get the PDF and the print-on-demand coupon to print at cost. And if you reach $7,000, uh, there is an author. There's, it's still a secret, and like it's, it's a secret stretch to go, so I won't get into too much detail. But there's an author of an adventure for Lamentation of the Flame Princess that will create an adventure for Stormer Blades and Cosmic Spells. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, <laughs> everybody, you've heard that. So this is not on Kickstarter. This is not the usual Kickstarter crack that like Adam and I are always on. This is Indiegogo because you've got to do Indiegogo down there in uh, Brazil, right? Yeah, since Kickstarter doesn't have an office in Brazil, they don't allow uh, Brazilian creators to launch their product there. Some people do this by having like a partner on the US or some other country that then can get the money for them. But I, I didn't have that. I didn't want to border, uh, border anyone with this. So I just made an Indiegogo. I didn't know some people have issues with Indiegogo. I'm sorry. I didn't know that. But that's what I could do. And I hope that's fine for most of the people. All right. Well, I mean, I, we don't have any problem with it up here. So, I mean, I don't know where the problems are at, but... Um, I think it's all about some uh, issues they had with Indiegogo, like spamming uh, disaster victims on some occasion, uh, uh, taking advantage of that. So, I didn't know about that, and I'm... well... Okay. Well, you know, I mean, the thing is, is you got to do as a creator where you got, you know, yeah. if that's how you can get your money, then we need to get you that money. So uh, everybody go check out uh, Indiegogo, go look for uh, Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells. Uh, I've searched it. It's really easy to find. Um, oh, yeah. And the, the whole draft text of the game and character sheets are available at the Indiegogo page. So if you want to check out the game before you, you help us out, before you pledge, just go there. The entire text of the game is there. You can just get it, print it, and start playing. And if you like it, just help us out. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, and so Diogo's been very uh, kind, and he wants to do a little giveaway here for the for the FMRPG cultists. Is that right, Diogo? Oh, yeah. Yes. So you're, you're t t tell them what you're giving away. Well, uh, I'm giving away... Uh, a kit with both the Sharp Shoes and Sinister Spells core book and the addendum. And another one uh, with the Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells limited edition uh, hardback. Ooh, so it's nice. two prizes two to prizes. give away. And so all you guys got to do to enter for that is, is be looking on the Instagram. Because when this episode drops, we're going to put up uh, some notice on the Instagram. That will have the rules to enter, and it should be very easy. And uh, we're going to be picking two winners, all right? We're of two winners. One is going to get the um, Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells pack. Yes. One of them is going to get the forthcoming limited edition hardcover Solar Blades and cosmic spells, and that that's a very generous. That is a very generous uh, prize package from um, from Diogo here, and that is you know one of each is going to go to two different 
uh, listeners slash Instagram followers. But that one's going to be on Instagram. Go there, look for it now, and then follow the rules. Or patrons, right? Your full metal RPG patrons, right? Well, well that, that is true. true. <laughs> yes, all the all the yeah, that is a good call, Diogo. All the uh, um, full metal RPG patron patrons will be entered automatically. Which I, is I'm a patron, but I, I can't win, guys. I won't, I won't win my own <laughs> on my own thing. So just just <laughs> making it clear. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me that I got to push that Patreon whenever I have an opportunity. I'm still I'm still getting used to that. Diogo, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the prize support. Thank you for everything, as always. Um, love interacting with you online. Everybody, check out Diogo. That's uh, that's uh, is. Do you have a space in your name on on Insta, or is it just one word? No, it's Diogo underline Nogueira. Excellent. That's uh, yeah, yeah. At Diogo underscore Nogueira on Instagram, and then you're also on Facebook. We interact a lot on Facebook. Yes. Uh, find find him. And check go- him out. Google Plus and Twitter. Look, he's he's doing all the ones we're not doing. So find him, check him out. There'll be some links in the show notes. Check those out. Uh, Diogo, thank you so much for being on. We appreciate you, man. Well, thank you, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor and. I was always glad to talk to you, and I hope to see you at Gen Con. You, Adam, and Gen Con, you can hang out and play some oh, games. dude. <laughs> I am looking forward to it so bad. Yeah, so good. I'll see you this summer, man. Awesome. All righty. Good night. Good night, man. Good night, everybody. <laughs>